Hello and welcome to The Story, a podcast where great stories are shared and told. Do you love being immersed in drama, romance and suspense? Do you like to forget about the world you live in and step into someone else's world? Do you like to fall in love with characters that seem so real that you can identify with them and you just can't stop thinking about them? Well, you have come to the right place. This is a podcast that does just that. I narrate my second book, Rise of a Source Survival, where each week I read out a chapter of my book and I encourage other writers to join me in sharing some of the stories they have written. It's all about support and listening to a good story. So join us and embark on a journey of storytelling. Hey everybody, welcome back. How has your week been? My week was a little sad as we said goodbye to our three little puppies. They are off to their new homes and their new adventures. I know they are going to the best of homes, but I must admit, like an overprotective fur parent, and couldn't stop worrying about them. Even though we only had them for eight weeks, they certainly took up space in our hearts. It is very important for breeders not only to have the goal in bettering the breed, but to make sure they are going to good homes that will be their forever homes. It makes me sad seeing so many animals at the RSPCA shelter, and I urge you all, if you are wanting to get a pet, please consider adoption first, and make sure you have the time to take care of your new family member. Buy on us for everything. So since the puppies have left, I've been able to get back into running. I just didn't have the energy after getting up to those little guys in the middle of the night to let them out for toilet training. And since the weather has begun to get cooler here, I'm really enjoying the feeling it gives me. We take the dogs and they absolutely love it. I think it is the freedom of movement, almost like a moving meditation. And sometimes I have ideas pop in my head while I'm out running and being present. As I mentioned last week, my morning routine always consists of some form of exercise and meditation, and now I am adding running to it, and it feels exhilarating. Okay, let's do a recap of last week's episode, Mosin. We learned that the village of Burak is on their way to help Merrick. They are the finest horsemen in the land and breed the best horses. They are gifted with the bow and arrow and are talented in their endurance levels. This is a bonus for what lays ahead. As we heard last week, Ulrich and the rest of the group, including Ada, are keen to find out more about the Asul. Ulrich, Rhea and Kitcher were able to find the tunnel system and then what lay behind the wooden door. Prisoner, Mosin. What do you guys think about this new character? Apart from Huxley, nobody has been able to escape the Asaur and then tell people about how they did or what these monsters are really like. Even though Mosin is still their prisoner, it offers a way for them to find out what they are up to and their ways. We also listened to Merrick's first encounter with the Asaur when he was quite young and how he had to go and gather reinforcements. We were introduced to characters, Ranko and Panko 
me, both were village councillors, and it sounded as if Renko could not be trusted. A young Merrick is taken aback at the ferocity of Saw's attack, and it was the sight of the dead Jabari that ignited the start of his hatred of the Asaur. Present-day Merrick is beginning to worry about a place to hide his people as he nears Dorhill Pass, and he is hoping and sending prayers to the gods that they will guide and answer his predicament. Also, who is this mystery entity that talks to Merrick? We have a lot to get into, but before we do, I just want to remind you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. I really would appreciate it. And I would love to hear from you, so please reach out. You can DM me on Instagram, Jules, J-U-L-S, underscore rights, or send me an email, the story podcast, all in one word, at outlook.com. And we have a Facebook group, The Story. Remember, we are a community that is offering support if you are a writer or just love reading books or listening to the podcast. Okay, now let's not take up any more time. Get comfy and enjoy this next episode. Four craggy peaks loomed like immense rocky towers, reaching high in the sky. The procession of humans paused to take in the stunning scenery. Merrick had pushed his group a little harder, a little faster, the threat of their enemy constantly on his mind. Emsey had advised Merrick he had spotted the army of the Asaur not far behind them as they took a large berth from the evil that was intent on ruling the world. The councillors who'd been instructed by Eigenbrook to split into groups before he turned back to fight the Asaur had not been found. They had, it seemed, disappeared. Merrick now was at the foothills of the Dorhill Pass. From here he was unsure what was to be expected of them. The pass would not stop their enemy from chasing them and he felt that it would put them in a perilous position. Merrick, we have to rest before we go into the pass. You have been pushing them too hard. Eleanor looked pleadingly at her husband before glancing back at the community of people behind her. Merrick knew she was right, but he had no choice. He nodded. We will rest once the scouts have come back. I need to know how far ahead we are. Eleanor studied her husband for a minute before turning to look up at the enormous stone formations. She remembered the last time they'd crossed the pass and the blizzard that had separated their family. She shivered involuntarily. She thought Merrick had perished. Thank the gods they had returned him safe to her. A wave of nausea swept over her. She waited for it to pass. She vowed she would see the medicine woman that night after the evening meal. She could not put it off any more. Thoughts were interrupted when Emsy rode up to the couple. We have good news, Merrick, the young man said. Smile lit up his face. Merrick returned his smile. It had been a long time since he had heard those words. Tell me, Emsy, what is this news? A huge army has been seen travelling from the north, and it is not the Asaur, the young man chuckled. It is the coming together of different villages. I think your word got out. They have come to help. Merrick closed his eyes, sending a quick thank you to the gods. How far are they? he asked Emsie. 
Two days ride if the weather favours them. Have the scouts returned? Merrick silently hoped he could let his people rest for a couple of days so they could wait for the coming army to arrive. Not yet, but I expect their return within the hour. Why don't we have share some tea? Merrick nodded in agreement. It would do him good to stretch his body and have a brief reprieve. The last couple of days had taken a toll. Eleanor left the men to share tea. She didn't trust her stomach. It was so unpredictable and she did not want to alarm Merrick until she knew what was causing her illness. She decided to find Sabin, her curly-haired, dark-skinned friend. She'd been avoiding him of late due to her mixed feelings with her, his new relationship with Edith. The woman had been less than welcoming when she'd gone to her home with Eichenbrook. It seemed so long ago now when she'd accompanied Merrick's father to offer to the families that needed help to tragic or unforeseen circumstances. She felt a pang of sadness as the memory played out in her mind. Dear sweet Eichenbrook, a leader that everyone would follow, who had given his life to save his people. Tears began to well and run down her cheeks. She hastily wiped them away. This was not the time to weep. She had to be strong. They all had to be, or Eugensbrook death would be for nothing. Eleanor weaved her way through the throng of people who had taken advantage of Merrick's short reprieve as they waited for the scouts to come in. They had seated themselves under the old oak trees to cool down for, from the warm, sunny day. Children chased each other around while the adults chatted amongst themselves. Some snacked on the cakes that had become part of the staple diet since they had fl fled their village a few weeks ago. It seemed they'd been travelling for so long and the normality of village life was a long-distant memory. Eleanor searched for her friend, and it was not long before she saw him, his dark girls jostling, as her abelliant friend engaged in conversation with some young teens. He noticed her before she had time to say hello, his enthusiasm evident as he greeted her. Nori, what a pleasant surprise. It has been so long since I've seen ye, my favourite lady. Eleanor blushed and was secretly thrilled at being called his favourite. Hello, Sabin. Where have you been, and what have you been up to? Sabin grinned lopsidedly, as he wagged his finger at her. Tis, tis, Nuri, you have been checking up on me. I know you have. But, he said as he smiled, please let me introduce you to these young men. They are dying to meet the wife of our glorious leader, Merrick. Sabin in the, imitated a bow, so as, as if he was in front of a queen. Eleanor laughed. Sabin never failed to make her laugh. It was part of his personality. She had fallen in love with and the part she had missed so much. This is Levy, Chad and Monty, Sabin said. The three young men said hello, slightly blushing as they shook Eleanor's hand. Eleanor was quietly amused at their sudden shyness at her presence and she was pleased that she had had the, that effect on them. The three young men explained that they had always wanted to be part of the protectors and hoped that one day they too would be brave, strong warriors as their leader Merrick was. Eleanor assured them that Merrick would be proud just to hear them say that. 
causing them to blush again. Well, look at this, Nori. Yeah, I'm making growing men blush. Saban threw his head back, letting out his infamous infectious laugh. They all joined in. It felt good to laugh. After they had quietened, the three young men excused themselves, leaving Saban, leaving Saban and Eleanor alone. Eleanor watched them leave, suddenly feeling at a loss for words as she stood beside Saban. So, Nori, what have you been up to? You never talk to me anymore. Saban asked as he turned to her. She smiled at him. Saban, you know it's hard now and... Her voice trailed off. She'd wanted to ask and tell him so much. And now she was at a loss for words. He looked down at her feet, feeling awkward. He didn't know what to say. Saban gently took her hands. How about we go find somewhere quiet to talk? She nodded as he suggested this. Tears sprang to her eyes and she quickly brushed them away. She was so angry with herself. Why am I so emotional, she thought. Saban led her towards a large patch of bushes that grew on the edge of where the camp of humans had decided to pause and wait for further instructions. It was a quiet corner of a bustling camp, giving space for a private conversation. Okay, Nori, please be honest with me. You have to tell me what is going on. I don't see you these days. You never come and chat with me, nor offer a cuppa. I can understand, Merrick, but yourself? His voice was gentle, but Eleanor could detect a slight of irritation. She could not blame him. Saban was making the most of current circumstances, moving on and making a relationship with probably a lovely woman. She certainly had, um, had made an impact on his life. Eleanor sighed. Saban, I don't know what is wrong with me. I'm going to see the medicine woman. I haven't been myself of late. Saban looked at her with concern in his eyes. Frowning, he asked, How long have you been feeling? Not feeling yourself like... Eleanor looked away. She didn't want to go into detail and suddenly felt she couldn't ask anything about his relationship with Edith. Ah, I know what it may be, he said as if he had just had a revelation. Eleanor looked at him taken aback. Is it because I've been spending time with Edith? His voice had take, his face had taken a serious look, something Eleanor was not used to. She shook her head fervently, feeling ridiculous that she'd even wanted to talk to him about it. No, Sabin, of course not. No, I am... Um, I'm happy that you have Edith. She swallowed. It was hard to say those words. I have just been feeling unwell and I was going to see the medicine woman. That's all. She forced herself to smile at her curly-haired friend. Saban stared at Eleanor, brief moment before giving his characteristic lopsided smile. Well, okay then. We'll go see the medicine woman. She'll know what it is, I'm sure. As if the gods themselves had heard Saban's words, shouts of, Break for camp! heard across the small sea of humanity. Break for camp meant they could roll out their tents, make a fire, some food and tend to the things that needed tending to. Ah, the gods themselves agree, Nori. Looks like they've given their permission for us to go and see the woman who heals. 
Saban took Eleanor's elbow as he steered her in the direction towards the back of the camp. Eleanor felt dread clutch at her, but there was little she could do as they made their way to the medicine wood. Thoughts raced through Eleanor's mind. She'd come to talk to Saban about Edith with the possibility to get to know her more and what had attracted him so much to her. Now he was taking her to the medicine woman to find out what was wrong with her. She felt herself cringe at this thought. She wanted this to be kept a secret and she wasn't even sure she wanted to know anymore. Saban, she stopped. He turned, frowning, not what, not sure what was wrong. Aye, Nori, you have me worried. Why don't you want me to want to see the doc? Concern was etched all over Saban's face as he studied Eleanor. She forced a smile. Guess I'm nervous, Saban, that's all. Saban immediately put his arm around her waist, pulling her close to him. Now, now, missus, it's me, and we are friends, aren't we? He continued, not waiting for her to answer. We have been through so much, Nori, and I am your friend, right? And I will take you to the lady who heals and get this sorted. My solemn support. He chuckled as he said the last few words. Eleanor smiled weakly, knowing she could not argue any further. Some woman had chosen a spot, a little away from the main camp, preferring to keep to herself when she was not tending to patients. It was rare for her to have some time to herself, as there was always someone who needed tending to, and she was the only medicine woman available. She saw the dark-skinned, curly-haired man with the woman with the long, flowing hair that was the colour of a sinking sun make their way towards her small fire. She sighed and added more water to the cast-iron kettle. She would now be making tea for three, not just one. Her old horse gave a soft nicker as Sabin and Eleanor approached. Medicine Woman looked up and smiled at the man and woman in front of her. Aye, hello, woman who heals. How is you today? Sabin's kind brown eyes twinkled as he greeted the Medicine Woman. Serenity returned his smile. She instantly recognised Sabin. He had been helping take care of Edith, and she was most grateful for it had helped ease her burden. Serenity was not just a physical healer, but also helped people with their personal problems. This at times was an arduous task. She noticed Eleanor beside him, a stunning woman with her fire-coloured and green eyes. Merrick's wife was, she was sure. Serenity pushed away the strand of hair from her face that had come away from the bun that was perched on her head. She swept her gaze over Eleanor, giving her a reassuring smile. She immediately knew what her condition was. Come, sit and tell me, girl, what ails you? He motioned to the fireplace and a long timber log that stretched itself in front of it. Eleanor was not sure what to do. Part of her wanted to not wanted to run back to where she had tethered her horse, and now she fervently wished she had never said anything to Sabin. Come on, girl, Sabin encouraged, as he went to take a seat on the log. Eleanor instantly made her way to the log before carefully taking a seat. There was an awkward silence before the medicine woman offered tea and took out a pouch of herbs. 
Are you comfortable letting this lovely friend of yours know what it is that you seek clarification on? Eleanor was taken aback and at a loss for words. This woman, it seemed, already knew what was wrong with her. Serenity saw the reaction on Eleanor's face and smiled at her. It is okay, Eleanor, wife of Merrick. You will grow to love the life you will give. Eleanor felt the blood drain from her face. She took a breath. Her heart had skipped a beat before it continued to beat again, furiously inside her chest. Sabin was confused, and as he looked from woman to woman, he felt even more puzzled. I. What's going on? Serenity had be could barely keep the laughter inside her. Sabin was such a funny, adorable man. Seeing his puzzled dilemma was almost more than she could bear. She continued to wait for Eleanor's response, patiently, as she watched her digest the comment she had just made. Eleanor nodded. Yes, you can tell him what is wrong with me. Sabin was more confused than ever. What is going on with ye? He shook his head, his curls jostling around his face. Nori, do ye know what is wrong? Wren has never even checked ye properly, he said frowning. Eleanor swallowed, swallowed, turning to look, ploringly at serenity. He could not put into words what she had been pushing away refusing to acknowledge what actually was the cause of her mystery illness. Serenity smiled at Eleanor, trying to put her at ease. Eleanor, please do not be afraid, as it is probably your fear that is getting in the way of accepting what is a miracle and what, my dear, may mark the start of a brighter future for us all. Eleanor looked at Serenity, she felt sudden anger build inside her. I disagree with you, Serenity. How can I bring life into a world such as ours? We might not even have a future. Serenity came to sit closer to Eleanor. Have to be strong. Gods have blessed you with a new life. Cherish it. They would not let this happen if they knew we had no future. Eleanor was still not convinced did not want to argue further. Sabin, bursting with curiosity, let his frustration be known. Can you please tell me what is going on? Both women turned to look at Sabin. I'm with child, Sabin, Eleanor blurted. Silence descended, and you settled like flurries of snow falling to the earth below. Serenity was first to break the silence. Sabin, your friend will need you more than ever. Sabin nodded, shock still etched on his face. Eleanor felt an enormous weight lift off her. It had been confirmed what she had already known, but she wondered this woman knew if she had not even asked her the usual questions. Serenity, as if hearing Eleanor's thoughts, asked Eleanor to join in her in her tent, a makeshift room that she used to see patients. Two women left Sabin to drink his tea, promising they would not be long and would come and join him once the physical check was over. Serenity pushed the opening flap up and ushered Eleanor inside. A curtain hung in the middle of the small space. Strange patterns and swirls covered it. 
Eleanor frowned. She was sure she'd seen something similar before, but couldn't remember where or when. Brushing the thought away, she lay down on the stretcher that the medicine woman used to examine her patients. She washed her hands in a bowl that was set on a small timber stool before grabbing a small bottle from a small leather bag. Green oil made from tea tree leaves, she rubbed her hands together, warming them as she made her way to Eleanor's exposed belly. Gently she massaged Eleanor's stomach, carefully feeling the size of her uterus, checking and probing the life growing inside. Eleanor watched her and began to feel the familiar maternal instinct rise within her. She had denied the truth for so long, she had almost convinced herself that it was all in her head. But yet, here she was, her fears and intuition being proven. Is everything okay? she asked timidly. Serenity was quiet for a moment, for she answered her. You need to eat a little more. This one is small, but a fighter, she said reassuringly. How long has it been since you menstruated? she asked Eleanor. Eleanor thought for a moment. It had been quite a while. She thought she was going through the change. The cycle had become unpredictable. I think around three months, she told the medicine woman. Serenity tuttered, shaking her head. Your baby is very small, Eleanor. She stopped herself from saying more. She did not want to alarm her. Stress for a pregnant woman was never good, and the gods knew they had more than enough stress at the moment. Eleanor studied Serenity, wanting to ask her more. Fear held her back. To her lip, she now wanted her baby more than ever. The medicine woman was right. It represented hope, the start of a new beginning, a future to look forward to. Eat plenty of leafy vegetables. I know it is hard at the present time. I will keep some aside for you when I am out foraging. I do it for the other pregnant women. You will all need as much as you can for your babies to grow. I will give you some herbs for the nausea. It will help settle your stomach so that you can keep food in your tummy. The other pouch of herbs you make into a tea. They are for you and the baby's health. She turned away from Eleanor to collect the herbs to put into, the, into small leather pouches for her. Merrick put on his beard before taking another sip of his wine. He closed his eyes, letting the relaxing effects of alcohol wash over him. It had been so long since he had wine and let himself relax. Once in a former life, not that, not that long ago, it had been one of his favourite habits to pour a cup of his favourite wine after an evening meal. He had dared not do that in the last few weeks for fear of letting his guard down and let an enemy crawl and worm its way inside his small community felt such a responsibility, an obligation to the people his father once led. He knew he must protect them and keep them safe. They were an extension of his own family. He took another long sip of the red drink. Amzi had brought a wagon of the delicious beverage. It had been too good to leave behind. Merrick was grateful that the blonde leader of the Burak tribe had had the insight to bring alcohol Merrick smiled as he had this thought. It was good to unwind. They still had such a long journey ahead of them, but after hearing the good news that an army to help fight the Assur was on their way, 
he knew it was a reason to celebrate. Resistance to the red drink was futile, and as the sun moved past its midday point, Merrick had asked Amzi to open one of the crates. Amzi was only more than happy to oblige. He too had longed for the sweet, fruity taste of the wine. Now the sun was slowly descending. Clouds stretched, grey streaky fingers like projections, across the blue sky. People happy to finally have a reprieve from the exhaustion of travel, lit fires, talked a little louder, and even let laughter fill the camp. It was a more joyous atmosphere than they had been than there had been in many days and nights. Merrick had told them of the army that was to join in their fight against the Assaw. He knew it was vital to keep up the morale of the people that followed him. Eleanor searched for Merrick. She'd gathered up the courage to tell him the news. He deserved to know. He was going to be a father again, she reasoned. Saw their small tent, strung between the trees, a small fire burning. Sabin had begged to walk her back. She'd refused him. Just because she was pregnant did not make her incapable and she had told him so. She felt, a sweet, she felt a slight quiver of remorse at speaking a little harshly at him. She knew he would not have listened otherwise. She sighed as she made her way to where the bed, the bed rolls were spread out. No Merrick. Where could he be? She asked herself as she turned and headed back out towards the small fire. She stood indecisively looking in both directions. A slight breeze blew, ruffling her long hair and caressing her face. Eleanor closed her eyes, soaking in the moment of time, letting her intuition come and guide her in which direction she would take to seek out her husband. She had a feeling that he was probably with Emsy. He held a great respect for the leader of the Burak tribe, and his camp lay west of where Merrick would set up his own tent. She turned and began making her way to the Burak camp, smiling and nodding to the people she saw on her way. As she came closer to their camp, she could make out a group of men, standing to one side. They were laughing and joking. Under normal circumstances, this would have been ordinary, if not welcoming. However, they, these were not normal circumstances. An, art, an enemy was hunting them, intent on destroying them all. Eleanor stopped. A sense of unease settled over her. She wondered about the security of the camp. She could see Amsi, his distinguishing long blonde hung loosely down his back. He was engaged in a deep conversation with Merrick. A beautiful young woman stood beside him. She too had the same pure white hair that hung loosely down her back. It made Eleanor think of her own daughter, Ada. She had the same coloured hair. Eleanor felt a of sadness when she thought of her. It seemed so long since she had seen her. She was such a gifted, talented girl. She missed her terribly. Ada had been chosen along with her grandmother, Anja, to help the ancient seer guide her son, Ulrich, sister-in-law, and her future son-in-law, Katja, to infiltrate the Assaw and learn their weaknesses. She wondered where and what they were doing at this very moment. She sent a silent prayer to the gods to keep them safe. She did not know where she did not know when she would see them again. Her sadness deepened 
and she felt tears begin to well. As she quickly wiped them away, she heard a man call out to her. Hey, Eleanor, is that you? He stepped out of the shadows, a cup of wine in his hand. Eleanor felt herself blush. It was Talit, Merrick's second in command. She felt instantly embarrassed at having him catch her, spying on her husband and crying at the same time. Yes, Talit, it's me, she said in a small voice. The tall, muscular man smiled when he heard Eleanor's voice. He seemed oblivious to Eleanor's embarrassment. Are you looking for Merrick? he asked. Eleanor nodded, not quite trusting herself to speak. She wanted to get her emotions under control first. Ah, Eleanor, I've had a bit much, too much wine, he chuckled. Eleanor was surprised at Talit's laid-back attitude. He usually was so focused and serious. It was nice to see this side of him. Yes, Talit, I was wondering where he'd got to. Guess he came here, she gestured to the Borat camp. Talit chuckled again. We have been here since we decided to break for camp. Where have you been, Eleanor? Talit asked teasingly. Eleanor once again felt herself blush, the last thing she wanted to tell him where she had been. She quickly searched for an answer. I was, um, with Sabin, just catching up, she finished lamely. Her heart had skipped a beat when she had seen him. Now he was making her blush and tell a small white lie. It was all she could do to keep herself from running back to her own tent. Talit smiled. You're an amazing woman, Eleanor. Merrick is lucky to have you. Before she had time to react, Talit gestured for her to follow him as he turned and made his way to Merrick. A large fire. Sun had finished setting, giving, a, giving its way to the dark of night. A moon had risen full and bright, beaming a soft glow on the earth below. The forest had come to life with the fires of the camp and the humans that lit them. This, the Asaur, it seemed, had been forgotten for the moment. Wine had filtered down to other families, and they all took turns in enjoying the effects it brought them. Merrick saw his wife and second-in-command approach. He suddenly realised he had not even thought about Eleanor that afternoon, and he felt a sudden pang of guilt. Nori, my love, where have you been? He smiled broadly at his wife. Eleanor returned his smile, trying to hide her discomfort at being the centre of attention. All eyes were on her. She swallowed as she cast her eyes on the faces that were now turned to her, waiting, it seemed, for a response. I, uh, I, am. Um, I was with Sabin, Merrick. We were talking about old times. She forced a smile. Merrick let out a loud laugh. It was clear he had too much of the red drink. Ah, that curly-haired maniac. Where is he? We need to catch up. My wife can't have all the pleasure of seeing him. The rest of the group joined in his laughter. Eleanor did not like seeing Merrick like this. He'd become a different man. She wished she had just gone to bed and not bothered looking for him. The beautiful girl beside Emsie grabbed Talit's hand. I don't believe we have met, she said seductively. Talit blushed at a, lot, at a loss for words. She was exquisite, possibly the most beautiful woman Talit had ever met. Her eyes the darkest of blue, framed by her pure white hair. 
long dark eyelashes and skin the colour of body. Her tunic was white also. Patterns graced the front and back of it. She had completely ignored Eleanor, acting as if she did not exist. Her focus on the tall, muscular man before her. Talbot melted as he stepped forward, letting the woman lead him away. Eleanor felt a wave of jealousy wash over her, and she chided herself for feeling that way. Need to go to bed. This is a waste of time. I don't belong here, she said to herself. She turned away from Merrick, not bothering to answer his drunken question. She felt a hand on her shoulder and turned back to see who it was. Nori, I asked you something. Where is Saban? His eyes now had narrowed. The former joviality had disappeared. Eleanor frowned. This was so unlike her husband. She'd not seen this side to him. But she reasoned he had been under enormous stress in the last few weeks. All this went through her mind as she took in the man in front of her. He went back to his camp, Merrick. He's probably asleep. Don't worry about it. She now more than ever wanted to get away from him. He was starting to scare her. Merrick considered her answer for a moment. Ah, you're probably right. That fool has probably gone to bed. He waved his hand at Eleanor. Go home, Nori. It's not right for a wife to see a husband being a drunken fool. Eleanor wasted no time in exiting the group of drunken men, as she quickly made her way to her own bed. In the early hours of the morning, that Merrick stumbled into the small space he shared to sleep with his wife. He clumsily pulled off his boots. Coordination slurred in his drunken stupor. He reached for the skin of water they kept near the furs they slept in and greedily, greedily drank the cool water. After he had finished, he wiped away the droplets that had dribbled down into his long beard and rubbed his face. He knew he would have a splitting headache come the time when he would wake. He groaned inwardly at the thought. His tunic smelt of dried vomit. He had thrown up earlier as his body tried to rid itself of the excess alcohol. He forced himself to take it off, but he had no desire to find a fresh one. Leaving his undergarments on, he lied down on the spread of furs. It was not as comfortable as a bed of straw, but it served the purpose, and he was glad to be back in his own tent. He felt the, war- he felt the warmth of Eleanor's body beside him. She snored lightly, and he was thankful he had not woken her. He had neglected her lately, and he made a promise he would take more care of her. It was just that he had so much to do and think about. He sighed. The last few months had taken a toll, and he wished fervently that it was all just a bad dream. He would wake from. He lay there for some time, thinking of all the things that life had thrown him, and the sacrifices that that had been made. He knew he should not question the gods, but he could not help himself. It just didn't seem fair. He took a deep breath. He could still feel the alcohol running in his veins. It made him feel light-headed and weary. Slowly Merrick closed his eyes and drifted off into a deep sleep. The path led up the mountain. A dense growth of trees overarched the rocky trail, creating a green canopy of flora. Merrick held up his hand as he surveyed the trail ahead, 
unsure if it was wise to continue. The scouts could not go round, as it was a single file track, and he was hesitant to send them ahead. He continued to observe the path, stuck in a moment of indecision. It seemed to worm itself into an even thicker tunnel of foliage, creating a mystery immersed in the unknown. He felt his stallion grow restless under him, and he rubbed his neck, trying to soothe and calm him. Merrick grew uneasy with how indecisive he felt. It was something he worked hard against. A leader needed to make decisions. Whether they were right or not, they needed to be made, and sometimes quickly. The very lives of his people depended on it. He could feel the people behind him begin to fidget as they waited for his decision. Panic began to nip at him as he waited, his mind refusing to give a verdict. He looked up at the great craggy peaks, intimidating in their appearance as they reached high into the sky. I bet they can touch the gods, he mused to himself. People began to call out to him, asking what was taking so long. The sun seemed to have reached its midday point and now was quickly descending, ushering in the darkness. The panic that had begun to nip earlier was beginning to bite. Merrick still could not make a decision and he felt at a complete loss, totally helpless. He sent a quick prayer to the gods, calling on them for guidance. The sun suddenly left, leaving behind an eerie darkness. Merrick looked all around, frowning. The panic was now almost too much to contain and his heart beat furiously in his chest. He closed his eyes, taking a deep breath to slow down his breathing that now seemed to come in gasps. After a moment, he could hear his daughter's voice. It was faint, and he was unsure of what she was trying to say. Concentrated, willing himself to make sense of her words. Papa, take the path, he frowned. Had he heard correctly? Take the path. There it was again. He leaned forward in his saddle, peering into the black night. The path had gone, and he could not see a thing. You must take the path, Papa. Don't delay. Take the path. Merrick sat up. The remnants of the dream still in his head. He blinked, trying to focus on what he had just dreamt and where he was. Eleanor lay beside him. He could hear her breathing, both rhythmic and peaceful. He closed his eyes, trying to collect his thoughts. Wisps of what he had dreamt still lingered. He rubbed his temple, trying to remember what his daughter had tried to tell him. He concentrated. She told him of a path. Yes, a path that would lead them to safety when they crossed Door Hill Pass. He shook his head as doubt crowded his thoughts, making him feel uncertain if it really was his daughter telling him of a path that would help hide them from the assault. Just the effects of a day of drinking wine. He got up, leaving the warmth of his furs. The sudden urge to urinate took precedence over anything else at that moment. He made his way to the back of where he had fastened the tent, relieving himself near a huge old oak tree that had seen many years of life. When he was finished, Merrick made his way back to the entrance of the tent, pausing before he entered. 
He looked up at the moon that graced the dark sky above. He sent a prayer to the gods, trusting that they knew what they were doing. Not only did his life depend on it, but the lives of the people he led, the people that followed him, trusted him, and looked up to him. So thank you for listening. I appreciate your time and truly am grateful. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe where you listen to all your favourite podcasts. Take care, everyone, and see you next week on The Story, the podcast where great stories are told. Bye for now.